24-24 right now. She's obliterating the record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Goucher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast, brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. Hello again, everybody. I'm your host, Peter Graves, and thank you so very much for being with us. We're excited to have uh, our guest here today. It's C.J. Albertson. He was the runner-up to Milton Rotich at the 2021 Grandma's Marathon, and perhaps maybe even more famous in finishing 10th in last year's rescheduled Boston Marathon after taking the race out at record-breaking pace for more than 20 miles before he was eventually caught. And CJ, welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you. Yeah, thanks, Peter. It's nice to be on. Uh, Let's first unpack what was the 2021 Boston Marathon for you, because I think uh, for uh, many running fans, it it might be uh, particularly out of the Duluth uh, metro area, it might be the thing they most remember about you. Um, And so um, was it your plan uh, at the uh, 125th running of the Boston Marathon uh, to start that fast? And if it was, uh, uh, why with all the elite runners surrounding you, uh, how did you decide on that strategy? Yeah, so it, it was mostly my plan to start that fast. Um, I had done some workouts or some long runs where I would start the first mile um, on a downhill section and, and run around 4.30. So I was anticipating running somewhere around 4.30 for the first mile. And I think Boston's about 115 feet net downhill the first mile. So um, 4.30 is about, you know, great adjusted. It's, it's about a pace that's, that's relatively comfortable. Um, and then I kind of did the math and thought I'd be somewhere around 19 minutes through four miles. Um, Because again, those first four miles after the first mile, it it slightly flattens out as far as it's not as steep, but it's still downhill about 50 feet per mile net net downhill um, through the first four. So I was thinking, you know, 19 minutes. Um, It sounds fast on paper because I've never ran anywhere near 445 pace for a marathon. But given the great adjusted pace on the downhill, that's um, what I thought seemed seemed right with with the math I was kind of doing so I so when I went out the first mile was 432 and as far as I was concerned I was right on pace um I ran the next few miles a little bit quicker I think I was was somewhere in the 1840s for four mile but it wasn't anything too unexpected um it was more just unexpected that no one was with me uh I I had wanted to go out at that pace so that I would be connected to the front group um and kind of engaged in the race just because I I um, I think like most people, I like to be towards the front. I, I just run a little bit better when I'm when I'm up with the lead pack and with the leaders. Um, and, and a downhill start allows me to do that. Um, but obviously, yeah, I mean, no one no one did go with me or, or no one really ran the first 15 miles, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up out in front, which the leading wasn't part of my plan, but the, the actual paces were pretty close within my plan. And um, and I still, you know, don't think I really went out that fast. Um, I came through it around 64.08 or somewhere around there through halfway, which, you know, it's 208.20 pace, but 
um, for a downhill first half, it's not really that that fast. And you know, and I have to believe that I can run. You know, I can run two oh eight. Like it's not that's not without that's not outside the realm of possibility for me. So um, so yeah, I mean, I, I went out um, pretty you know pretty right on pace for for what I expected. Yeah, that that's very interesting. So um, you led, I think, in Boston by like uh, two minutes at the halfway point. Uh, I mean, as you got into the race and started doing so well uh, at keeping that pace, did you start getting the sense that you could win this thing? <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about that for a while, um, especially for the first five miles, even even the first like eight or 10 miles, um, because, you know, you want to keep your emotions relatively neutral and stable. Um, but once my lead got to around two minutes and I was, we were close to halfway, then it was like, okay, I mean, they're going to, they're going to have to really, if I can run five minute pace, they're going to have to, or, you know, five flat pace, they're going to have to run pretty quick to, to catch me. So, you know, it, it started, becoming possible that, you know, theoretically I can win. Like if I can maintain five minute pace on the, you know, on the uphill sections or close to five minute pace. And then I, I know I can run the down hit that, that downhill section at the end, that last, you know, eight K is, is mostly downhill. I can run that fast. So I was like, okay, theoretically, like I can, I can win this cause they're going to have to run really fast. And there's not, I mean, the, the time is ticking. Like it's, it's getting down. So I try not to like overthinking and thinking about it too much, you know, you kind of just got to like dial in and run. But I mean, definitely when they, when the, the lead truck kind of said, yeah, you got like about a two minute lead halfway. I was like, I don't know how this is possible, but, but yeah, I can win. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I knew they were going to throw, put in a pretty hard move to, to catch me. And I knew at any point they could start running four forties. I mean, heck the, the, the leader, the, the, the eventual winner, um, threw in a couple four, you know, mid four twenty miles in, uh, towards the end and ran like a 1402 or 1404 5k or something. So obviously I know they can just throw down some ridiculous times at any point, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely crossed my mind and, uh, you know, that was pretty exciting to, to think you had a real realistic shot to win the Boston marathon is, is pretty awesome. Well, indeed you did. And, and you've explained it really well uh, to us um, about your, um, uh, you know, the mindset going in and you went off and you were doing your thing and the rest of the field to some degree allows you to do your thing. Uh, I, I'm curious, just digging one step deeper, maybe into the uh, emotional part of it. Is it, um, do you like going off the front and I, I don't, it, it may sound so obvious in a way, but I mean, does, does that represent a kind of mentality that you bring to your own running? Uh, I, I, maybe a little bit. Um, I think to some degree, I, yeah, I, I don't really care. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable just doing what I want to do and, and not being concerned with, you know, what everyone else is doing, I guess. Um, and so, you know, I, I think sometimes you can think about it and be like, okay, there was, you know, 28 guys ranked ahead of me. Like maybe I shouldn't be leading because, you know, I'm, I'm ranked like 30th or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's like, you can think like, oh, you know, I'm going to look like that guy that, that goes out and leads and then dies and, you know, 
like everyone ridicules afterwards. Um, you know, and so people have hesitations about leading, even when the pace isn't fast. Um, and I just, I pretty much train every day by myself. All my long runs are by myself. So I have no issues running alone. Um, so, I mean, it kind of just made it feel like every other run that I've done, you know, for the past four, since I've graduated college, really, <laughs> uh, for the past four years, just kind of out running on my own for a long time. And uh, so, you know, that's basically what the first 20 miles was, was just, you know, the past thousand days of what I've been doing, just running by myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's a great explanation. So, um, uh, you, uh, gave an interview after it was over to WBZ channel four in Boston, um, that, uh, you said, and this was interesting to me, um, that you consider yourself, um, the best downhill runner in the world. And those are big words, but at the same time, it appears that you you may well be. Can you can you particularly for the layman or the first time marathoner that might be listening to our program? Uh, can you explain uh, what makes a good downhill runner and how that is incorporated in in your technique? Yeah, well, I mean, first, I think just part of it was when I was interviewed, I knew I was on. Um, TV in the moment. And so you got to say some fun things. So, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think I'm a, I'm a good downhill runner and I think it just takes practice. Um, in growing up in Fresno, the, the state championship meet for, for high schools, um, and community college actually is, is at Woodward park here in Fresno. And it's literally across the street from where I live. And I figured out in high school, if I could run the downhills well on that course, I could have a lot of success. I could have a lot of success on it. And I was never super good on the uphills, but there was just so many downhill sections of that race that, um, I don't know, I just figured out like, that's how you can truly run fast at Woodward Park is if you can just let yourself go on the downhills, be, you know, be controlled, but like gap people there. And so I remember specifically my junior year, in our um, central section meet, um, I, I was probably the best runner in the field, but but I had a plan. I'm like, I'm only going to gap people on the downhill sections. And so that's what I did. I kind of just, you know, ran moderate like the whole race. And then every time there was a downhill, I'm just like, I'm just going to put a few meters on people. And then I, I ended up winning by, I don't know, maybe 12 seconds or so. But it was all like every meter I made was on a downhill. Um, and so that gave me confidence. And then at the state meet, I was just trying to get top 10 um, and there was a, it was a really good year. It was actually one of the deepest D1 races in history ever still to this day. Um, so I was just trying to get top 10 and then I had my same strategy. And, and when we hit the, the real big downhill, all of a sudden I found myself in the lead. Me and um, Amar Musa, who was a big name at the time, we, we kind of were running together and uh, yeah, I ended up PR, PRing by 30 seconds and, I ran 1451, which which would have won like 22 of the past 25 state meets. But it was really all just because I attacked the downhills and and I'd worked on that in practice. And so ever since that moment and just kind of seeing that success that I had from just being a better downhill runner than everybody else or, or at least than most, um, I just kind of kept kept that with me. And so part of it's just mental, like since I had had some success with downhills in the past, now every time I see a downhill, I'm like, I, f I just feel comfortable with it. Um, and then I, you know, I integrate that into training. Um, like before Boston, I, I did a series of repeated 200 meters downhill 
Um, and I'm not super fast. I mean, I'm a, I'm a marathoner, but um, I got down to like 22 seconds for a 200, um, which, you know, I've never ran that fast, but it, I mean, cause it was significantly downhill, but you know, you just get comfortable running fast downhill. Um, and so, and yeah, and did, I would, I would do hard repeats, like within my long runs, I'd hit some downhill sections and, and run really hard. So it's just like a lot of practice over, you know, since I've been 16, um, and, uh, and definitely just that mental aspect of like, I, I, I choose to like downhills and attack them. And so, um, after 10 years of that, you know, you, or I guess it's been more than 10 years now, but you get, you get good. Yeah. That's interesting. You, you also said during the same interview that, um, uh, you didn't consider yourself, uh, great at the uphills. If I extrapolate that right, what does that mean? It's typically pretty easy for me to just naturally gap people on the downhills. Like I don't really have to try. Like we just hit a downhill and I'm just in front of the pack and I don't like, I don't cognate. Sometimes I I consciously do that. Other times I don't, it just kind of happens. Like me just running naturally, I make some ground on people or gap them on the uphills. It's typically the opposite. Um, If I'm not really thinking, I'm just kind of subconsciously or just, just kind of going with the flow running. I'll typically lose a few meters on the uphill. So I don't know what it is about my stride or what it is, but there's certain um, there's certain gradients uphill that I just naturally lose a little bit of ground on, or maybe I have to work a little bit harder. Um, and, you know, and I think everyone, I, I think you can get better at things, but everyone has their just natural, you know, natural strengths. And so um, that, that's what I mean by that. Not that I'm like, I can't run hills um, and I think I can get better on them, but just ever since, Heck, even since elementary school, I remember running races at Woodward Park, actually. And, and I just always naturally just got a little gap on the uphills. Um, and, you know, I've, I've found ways to, to maintain and at least be, you know, have a good approach to the uphills so that I can be, you know, a de- like I, I can be at least average. Um, but, yeah, that's what I mean by that. I just, I don't know, just doesn't come as natural. Uh, obviously you do well enough at the uphills, um, uh, which is interesting. So, so, uh, you're also a coach. You're also running. Do you have your own personal coach that you work with, or do you consider yourself self-coached at this point? Um, I've been self-coached, um, up till this point. Um, yeah, it's, it's some, I mean, it's definitely something like I've considered like having a coach. Um, it just, I just, I don't know. It's been hard for me. I it, haven't really been able to find that person that um, it would work with. I mean, it, cause it would most likely have to be, you know, remote coaching. Um, and yeah. And my, like just with my schedule, like, I don't know, my energy levels just, I just get tired. <laughs> I mean, like any marathoner, you know, you get tired. I mean, any, any athlete is going to have lots of fluctuating energy levels, but just with work and now we have a baby and and just everything. Like I just have to be pretty flexible. And so um, I would just have to find the right fit with a coach that can kind of like more, more guide me, but then allow me to like, okay, to change workouts or like to do things on different days. Cause it's hard to have, like, if I like write out a schedule, like, like even just a weekly schedule, like it's almost impossible for me to stay on that weekly schedule. Cause just, every day just things come up and it's like, I have to readjust. Um, and I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I just do better when I'm kind of just, when I don't have any 
caution. Like, so I think like when I'm coaching other people, th- there's an aspect of caution because you don't want to be reckless when you're coaching people. Like, because, you know, you don't want, you don't want your athletes to all be hurt. You, you don't want to overtrain them. Um, you don't want to make their life miserable because you're just grinding them into the ground. Like, you know, there's, there's a level of like, uh, not, it's not necessarily caution, but like you, you're, you know, you're being controlled and, and making, looking out for them. But when it comes to me personally, like I, I, I just don't do well with that. Like I want to like just do ridiculous stuff, like because that's what excites me. And like I have to be, I run best when I'm excited and just really having fun with it. So like just kind of doing whatever pops in my mind that that sounds fun. That's still within reason, but that that's not destroying my body. But um, I don't know. So, so like, I, it, yeah, I mean, there's, um, I'm definitely open to a coach and, and having guidance, but it just has to be the right fit. And, uh, you know, and it, and it, again, it would have to be remote. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just a, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, I, I find it very interesting. I mean, you're, you're a, a fascinating guest because, uh, on so many levels, I, I love innovation and people that try to do different things. And so that brings me to another thing. Um, and, and that was um, in 2020, you set a 50 kilometer world record. I guess that's been broken since. Uh, that was 125 laps, folks, around a track in two hours, 42 minutes and 30 seconds, a pace of uh, five minutes, 14 seconds per mile. So, uh what made you do that? Was that was that just something, another thing that was fun and different? I mean, there was multiple reasons. So, yeah, that was during COVID. So there wasn't a lot of races. Um, and it was, I mean, it was partly um, just due to contracts. Like I, I basically got a bonus if I, you know, set the 50K record. So if you can make some money, like <laughs> why not do it? Um, I think I think all athletes should try to take advantage of their bonus structure as most as I can, because I mean, it is a job. So, you know, make as much money as you can, <laughs> like in the most fun way possible. Um, so that was part of it. I mean, a, a good part of it, but yeah. And then I just wanted to do it at, at um, that I did it at my high school track. So where I went to high school, which was just cool. Um, you know, just my high school coaches were there and kind of helped with some setup and putting it on. And so it was, it was just a, it was a fun fun thing to do when there wasn't a lot of racing at the time. Um, and I knew, I mean, I knew that I was physically capable of breaking the record. So like, I mean, really there's no reason not to do it. Um, and it, it was just a perfect time. So, um, and it gave me something to look forward to. <laughs> sure. No, it, it, I, I have to say it makes perfect sense to me. Really. Um, uh, um, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit. You were also involved in the marathon project, uh, in Chandler, Arizona, your tenth to eleven eighteen. What was that like? That must have been really quite fascinating. Yeah, no, it was it was a cool event. Um, I I didn't feel like I ran particularly great there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was it was an interesting it was an interesting race. I think it was also my first race with other people since the Olympic trials. So the Chandler experience was just, it was just different because it was, it was kind of remote, kind of quiet. Um, just a bunch of us, I mean, just, ru- just running fast. And it was, I mean, it was cool. It was on like a little loop. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just like, I, I don't know. There's something mentally, like I just, I felt 
I don't know. I just, I felt weird the whole weekend. And I think like we couldn't really talk to people. Um, cause it was like, that was like prime time COVID still where like you, they didn't want us really interacting and we just had to stay in the hotel the whole time. Um, I don't know. It was just a, it was like a, it was a weird thing. And I, I don't know if I handled it fully well. And then I just kind of raced, you know, pretty mediocre. So, um, and I got separated from the pack kind of early on around mile 10. No, maybe even early in that, like mile eight or so. So I ran, I ran a lot. I ran like 15 miles just kind of by myself, which again, I'm used to, but, um, but it is hard to still, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to stay on like 456, 457 pace, you know, once you get gapped. Um, so I just, you know, didn't have a great performance, but, um, I was grateful to, to have a race and it's still my PR. So it's not like I ran, it's not like I ran terrible. Um, it was just like, you know, all those guys ran sub 210 and it was like, I, I you know, missed a, a very good chance. <laughs> well, that's, that's fascinating. Okay. Let's, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Olympic trials and then we'll get to grandma's, but, uh, 2020, uh, you were seventh in the Olympic trials, just missing a spot, uh, on, uh, the Olympic team, uh, to go to Japan. Um, tell me a little bit about that race and your experience. You were talking, of course, Atlanta loves running the peach tree and uh, is a big running community. Um, uh, the first thing you said earlier was you, it was so it was loud, uh, enthusiastic. Tell me a little bit about that day. Yeah, I mean that was that was that was a really fun weekend. I mean, I yeah, I, it was just it, there was just, the whole atmosphere. I mean, I think like anything, the atmosphere really plays into performances and. Um, I mean, just just from the moment you arrived, the atmosphere was just there was just such a buzz in Atlanta, and you know all the athletes were staying in the hotel, and there was like uh, like 280 men and like 400 and something women or 500 women. I don't know. So there's like almost 800 athletes just all together, all about to run a marathon really fast, and then like hundreds and hundreds of like support people um, and staff, and so it was just like. And then all, you know, all the running, like everyone running is there. Um, so there's just like this, this energy the whole time. And, and I was with my wife, she had qualified. So it was just like, I it did the whole thing was just so fun. And at that point, I had really never been in like a, a big race. I had done CIM was probably the biggest marathon up until that point. But like all the big names of people that I've been watching for, you know, since I was in junior high and high school that like, I've just been like, oh, this guy's so good. Like, you know, these people that like I've never thought about even being in the same race with because I've just been watching them on TV or or when I was in college, I was like not that great. And they were like the juniors and seniors that were just, you know, all Americans or winning national titles or whatever. And then like all of a sudden now, like I'm there with them and like I'm like kind of like their peer, but I'm still kind of like, well, this is that guy. This is that guy. This is this girl. Like it was just like really cool. And then I'm on the line with them and I just I just like will never forget just standing on the line and I was still having that moment like this is this guy this is this guy you know that's Jared Ward like this you know Chris Derrick's there there's Galen Rupp um and then I'm also thinking like I'm gonna beat almost all these guys <laughs> like I just knew that I was going to run well I was in really good shape and it was just crazy because I'm like there's so many good people that I've just never even thought about running with that like I know I'm gonna beat 
and it like even before the race started it was just so fun because like i knew it was i didn't know it was gonna happen because it's still like i haven't done it yet but i don't know and then once the race went off it's just like this big mob and then once we get onto Peachtree for the first time again it was it was downhill um and luke pesedra kind of accelerated and i actually didn't know it was him i I just saw some big guy out there. So I'm like, oh, perfect. I can go draft on him and run a little bit on the downhill. And uh, yeah. And then from that moment on, it was just, I mean, it was so loud because it's it just wall, like all the peach tree was just walled with people. So the whole time was just constant cheering, um, almost like the, the wind tunnel at Boston, but the entire race, um, except for <laughs> the last two miles, the last two miles, everyone was by themselves which was great for me. And there was, there was like no cheer. There's no, nobody. Um, but the rest of the race, yeah, it was just crazy loud. And, and, and then you're in a pack with like a hundred people. I mean, that we came through halfway at five minute pace. So we were on like 65, 30 and I, there had to be a hundred people in the pack. Maybe, maybe there was less, maybe there was 50, but I just never, I mean, even, even since then, I haven't been in a race like that, where it's just that many people that, you know, at that point in the race, I mean, it was just, it was cool. And you ran a really good race. And uh, how many did they take? Did they take five um, a- five athletes per sex? Oh, just three. Okay. And you were seventh. Okay. So you missed it by only a couple of spots. Um, will you, do you plan right now on taking part in another trials with the idea of going to maybe Paris, which will be the next Olympic Games? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm 28. So, I mean, hopefully I'll have, you know, a few more. <laughs> so 2024, um, you know, 2028, I, th- I don't know where my prime will be, but, you know, even in 2028, I'll be 34, which for a marathoner, um, you know, a lot of marathoners are kind of just hitting their, their prime around there. So, um, yeah, so I think I still have a couple more shots where I can, you know, be, um, be at my best. So, but 2024 will definitely be a good, um, I think a good one. And so, uh, let's get to grandma's, uh, marathon in Duluth where you were second, uh, uh, last summer. Uh, you plan on coming back again this year or do you know what your plans are? Yeah, I'll be back this year. So I'm going to be running Boston again. So that'll be April 19th. We'll see how I feel after that. Um, typically I recover pretty fast. So I'll probably have like a down week or two um, and then kind of just keep training kind of to go into to grandma's. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should have pretty good fit. Well, obviously I'll have good fitness like for Boston. And then um, after that, assuming that, you know, things don't go poorly, like, like my late, like something doesn't happen. Um, I should be, you know, typically I recover fine. And then, uh, yeah, be coming to coming to grandma's and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a last year, my first year running it and it, it seems like a pretty fast course. So, um, I'm excited to, you know, to run it again and, and maybe, uh, lay down a, a pretty fast time and, and also go for the win there. Absolutely. Uh, it seems to be, I would think a course that suits your style, um, quite well. Um, tell me about the the race between you uh, and the winner last year, what was, what was the psych like uh, going on? Yeah. Last year I wasn't particularly in good shape. (laughs) Um, It it was, 
that whole training block had just been just really difficult for me. Um, motivation wise, I had some little, little injuries. Um, I mean, my, my training just really wasn't good at all. <laughs> I, I, and so I didn't even know what to expect. Um, normally I do like lots of long runs and I think I'd only gone like maybe 17 miles building or 18 miles building up to that. Um, so I, I, I had, didn't really know what to expect, but I knew, I just wanted to, um, I knew that things were probably going to get tough for me towards the end of the race, just because I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't have the mileage. I didn't have the workouts. I didn't have the long runs. I just didn't really have the fitness in general. So it's like, you know, you're probably going to struggle a little bit, um, the second half of the race. So my plan was to basically just kind of get everyone isolated and just make everyone else kind of miserable because then it's like, if everyone's just kind of like having a, you know, oh, I got to, I'm just running by myself out here. It's a long run. Like, you know, if everyone's kind of down, then, um, then I can do, <laughs> then it helps me versus if we're just all running in a pack. And then it's like, if you're in good form, then you're going to run fast. I didn't really want people to run fast. I wanted them to just, you know, be moping out there. So I just put in random surges and kind of surge on downhills and, and like, I think mile 10 or 11, there's a big downhill. And so I had been kind of surging on downhills and keeping the pace honest um, and trying to whittle down the pack. And then I, I ran like around 445 for that downhill mile and then kind of just broke everyone up. So then everyone was just kind of by themselves. And so, um, so the leader ended up, he, he seemed like he had a lot of run left in him. Um, and so when he kind of broke away, I just, I just didn't really have anything to, to match him. Um, but I was like, at least I kind of broke everyone else. And it was really hard for people to catch me because they had no one to work with because they were just all everyone, like literally everyone was running by themselves <laughs> from mile like 12 on. And so, um, so yeah, I couldn't get the win with that strategy because ultimately I think he was just, he was just better than me that day. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I think for, you know, the form I was in second was, um, you know, I was a pretty good day for me. And I think my, my strategy, uh, worked fairly well because really no one ran fast, <laughs> which, uh, so, you know, and that's what you gotta do. It's not always about, I mean, it's not about running fast, it's about winning or, or placing as high as you can. And so that was kind of my, my way of, you know, trying to make the most of it. And I felt like I, I did that. Um, I think this year I'll, I'll hopefully I'll, I'll be, it'll be different. Um, and I'll be, I'll be different, but yeah. Now that's, that's cool. CJ, um, one of the things that uh, we always, well, we hear from virtually everybody is how much they love coming to Minnesota, how much they love coming to Duluth, that the crowd, the big lake, it's kind of a coming out party in the beginning of summer, you know, for a place that has cold winters, as you know. Well, what were your impressions of uh, the Duluth uh, community? Um, it was cool. I, I remember my, my the first day I got there, I just ran along the, the little, then there's like a little trail that goes. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was perfect weather. I mean, the whole weekend was, was beautiful. Um, but yeah, it was just a cool, I mean, it was just really, I don't know. It was just like a cool, cool place. Um, definitely very nice. And just like the combination of, uh, like the, the lake is almost like an ocean, <laughs> like, cause we don't have, I don't, we don't have those types of lakes here. Um, maybe Lake Tahoe, but that's kind of far, but, um, but yeah, so it, it was just cool. I'm definitely beautiful and, and 
just the greenery um because in, in in summers here there's there's no green <laughs> uh it's pretty hot in fresno but yeah and then the town itself was just i mean yeah it was just cool like it was just it was just different it was kind of like kind of like small but then not small like like it was just i don't know it was just different but i i definitely enjoyed it um and it was a you know it was a cool spot to be um, especially for the you know for the marathon and i think um it's a really good course also you know not only for the elite but it's a pretty good first time marathon course too don't you think oh yeah definitely um yeah i mean the course is um i mean it's not like it's not like an unfair course where you can just run really fast because it's really downhill. It, I mean, it's, it's honest. Like it's, there's, um, I think it's a little bit net downhill. Um, and there's some, the, some rolling hills in there, but generally it's a pretty, it's on the easier side of courses. Um, and it's, it's just a nice, I mean, it's a nice course. Um, it's, you know, fairly scenic. I felt like it's just a, it's just a good course that you can like, not that anyone can just run a marathon, but like, you know, it's it's a, definitely a good first marathon, um, and I feel like if you're if you want a good experience, it's definitely a. I can see how it'd be a you know a great a great course to have like your first one on. Um, I don't know how the weather usually is, but we had great weather last year. It seemed pretty good. <laughs> so, oh, it's usually yeah. it's usually pretty much like that. Yeah. So I mean, so next year or this year coming up, you're uh, you're going to go for the win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I'd like it, I mean, I'd like it to be kind of fast. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but I think, I think I should be in, in good fitness to, to try to win. Um, you know, and then, and, and, and be in a position where I can, you know, we'll just work on like race tactics and figure out how to win. Cause I haven't really won like a big marathon race. I've been second, um, a handful, like a handful of times. So I want to, I want to get a, a win. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Uh, and, and I really thank you uh, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Well, I'm glad that I'm, I could seem interesting. <laughs> Gosh, you are. You're fascinating. And, and we'll be watching you in Boston, and we'll be looking forward to welcoming you back to Duluth. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be excited to come back, and uh, hopefully the, the weather is good like normal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week. The Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast is brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. And thank you again to this week's guest, C.J. Albertson. Fascinating. Grandma's Marathon is proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative, Credit Union, and ASICs. I'm Peter Graves. We'll talk running again soon. So long, everybody.